Electricast. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. On this episode of Missing the Point, we'll cover the front office moves made by the Boston Celtics following their elimination from the NBA playoffs at the hand of Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. With Danny Ainge retiring and Brad Stevens becoming the new president of basketball operations, we'll take a look at the field of who could be the next head coach for the Celtics. Could a familiar name like Kevin Garnett or Sam Cassell make a return to Boston? Or could some outside-of-the-box yet deserving names like Carol Lawson or Pecky Hammond take the helm? This is Missing the Point, episode 63. But it's all relative. Welcome into Missing the Point. I'm your host, Michael Marcangelo. Today I'm joined by the real BK Bob Kelly, Broadway Joe Malkin, and DK Sizzle Dave Clark. And today, Wednesday, June 2nd, ton of news comes out of Boston if you're a Celtics fan, and we're here to talk about it all. I mean, you wouldn't even know that there was a game last night, but today, Brad Stevens steps down as head coach of the Boston Celtics. Danny Ainge is uh, relieved of his duties as the vice president of basketball operations. He retired, quote-unquote, and Brad Stevens will be filling that role to talk about this and everything that has been going on, and maybe the things that will go on. I will kick it over to DK Sizzle first. Dave, we've been talking about this all year, that, that they need a big change. Was this the change that you thought was coming? No, I don't think any of us expected this. This came out of nowhere today. Like there was definitely no like inklings of this. Maybe you would thought like a full firing, you know, after this season, like maybe would have been one of my earlier guesses before this happening. I heard about it this morning from you guys and I rolled it around in my head and I think it's a good thing. I think that's where I came out on it. Cause I think we've talked a lot about nobody wanting to trade with Danny Ainge. And I think that's, the truth. And I think you saw that last couple of free agencies. I think people are going to want to trade with Brad Stevens. He's got a nice face and I think he can call people up and and actually maybe work out some deals because he doesn't have this reputation preceding him of fleecing every team that he, he comes up against. And I mean, the irony, I don't know about you guys, but the irony was not lost on me of just getting absolutely spanked by the Brooklyn Nets, having been bragging about fleecing them for the past five or six years, however long it's been. I can't remember how long it's been. And then not winning a championship in that time and then losing to them pretty embarrassingly and them having like like three Hall of Famers on their team. Yeah. So did we fleece them in that deal? Yeah. I mean, kind of at the time. Still, It still counts. You know, Jason Tatum's still on the team and he's like the future. But yeah, I, I think it's a good thing overall. I, th- I think Danny Ainge, it was time. 
Bobby, as someone who's been, you know, you and I have talked on the show and off air about they need a complete restructure from top to bottom. Brad Stevens out as coach, Danny Ainge out as GM. You got what you wish for, but did you ever expect that Brad Stevens would be the GM going into next season? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I, I actually Googled this morning when I heard Danny was stepping down, like GMs around the league, just so I could get an idea of who like we'd be looking at. I was thinking, I can never pronounce his name, Masari from Toronto. I was thinking, like, I, Sam Presti from Oklahoma City. Sam Presti from Oklahoma City. I, there was there was all these different guys I was looking at, and all of a sudden, it just the news kept trickling in, kept coming in. Brad Stevens is going to be taking over, and honestly. What it comes down to is, I really think DK did hit the nail on the head, is, listen, Danny Ainge has been the Boston Celtics GM since 2004. You don't see that anymore. You know what I mean? You don't see guys that are the general manager of a team for that long anymore, especially with the continued success that he's had. It's unbelievable that he's been this successful for this long. I just think it was time for a new face, uh, a new guy in that front office. And to be honest... I think one portion of why Brad Stevens is now the GM is because the Celtics are kind of tied to him. And I think that did have something to do with it. Uh, I also think that Brad Stevens style of play and the way he likes to play basketball, I think could be very successful. So I'm really excited to see the kind of team he tries to put together. He has a really tough job ahead of him, but I'm really pumped to see the kind of team he tries to put together. It, it, is it a risk? 100%. But it, it almost reminds me of like a Theo Epstein type GM move because it's like this young guy, he thinks outside the box. He knows basketball better than anyone else. So let's see what he can do. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I don't hate it. It's definitely a reach. Definitely not what I expected. At the end of the day, I'm just happy we're moving forward to a new era of Celtics basketball because I'm done with this last five years. And Joe, you know, you've been someone on the show that, you know, you, obviously you have your opinions on like what you think should happen, but it's always been like, let's, let's wait and see. Right. And today there's no, I, I, I can't imagine that you were waiting to see this. So when you're, what were your initial reactions when you saw the news? It's so interesting because this is where, <clears throat> excuse me, the world is still such a small place, even in terms of sports, because Dave's like, Oh, I never saw this coming. I, this was kind of floated out there by some smaller sources and, but it's still, it, it was still a surprise. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of err on the side of caution here. I, and I don't want to blow up Dave's spot because he's absolutely right. Like this was not expected. And as you guys are talking and going through this, it's so interesting because I was always under the impression that there was some kind of a rift somewhere in the organization. And I always thought it was between Danny and Brad. And what I mean by that is Brad has his style and Danny has his and Danny would often, as Mike says, lay his speaker of the house dick on the table and make the decisions that he wanted to make and basically told Brad deal with it. This is what you have. I think the end, and I hate to bring him up because you guys know he, he lives in my head rent free. The end of the Danny Ainge era began the day that he traded for Kyrie Irving. That's my personal opinion. I believe that that's what happened because I believe that Kyrie Irving had an effect on the young guys on this roster. And that's where a lot of the, I don't want to say that Brad Stevens lost this team, but I think that that's where a lot of the, he's not a superstar head coach style head coach really came to the forefront 
when guys didn't really seem to want to play for him, but never came out and said it. So when this happens, Danny, like, like Bobby said, Danny's been here since 2004 as the general manager with doc rivers. He was an incredible GM, incredible GM. When Brad Stevens first got here above average, the last two years below average. And sometimes in a relationship, we've talked about this before. Sometimes it just has to end. And this was the point where it needed to end. The part I was surprised about is the same part that Bobby's surprised about, that that Brad Stevens was named uh, president of basketball operations. Maybe I just don't want to accept it because I really wanted to see Brad Stevens put on both hats. I really wanted to see him recruit and draft and sign the free agents that he wanted and build his team, a la Bill Belichick. And the reason why I think, Bobby, he's going to be really good in this GM role to to kind of uh, parlay off of what you said, he's going to be good because he's a recruiter. He turned Butler into a, I don't want to say a national powerhouse, but he put them on the national stage for for multiple years, for for a good period of time in in the uh, realm of college basketball. He put Butler on the map and he did a, a great job at that. So he's a recruiter. He's a talent evaluator. And the nice thing about college is you don't have to have the best players in order to be successful. We've seen that in the past. That's one of those sports where if you can get the right chemistry and the right flow and the right players, you can do well. But this is going to be a great role for him. It's kind of weird because you think of a coach stepping away at such a young age, stepping away from being a coach. So how long is it going to happen? Is he going to be the GM of the Boston Celtics for 17 years, as long as Danny was? I don't know, but this was such a surprise. I'm happy with the decision because something needed to happen. And I think this is the most civil way to do it. I think it makes the most sense. And I think at the end of the day, everybody's going to be happy. For Danny Ainge's body of work, right? I think before we, we talk about like all the, the huge impact that today had, I think you, you, you need to look back at it, right? 18 seasons as the GM of the Boston Celtics, 15 playoff appearances, seven Eastern Conference Finals, two final appearances, and a championship. So when you take that, and, and you know, yeah, he did swindle the Nets, right? We get that. But I think the jury's actually still out on who won like what happened after that, because it, really we have not won a championship since then. The jury is not out anymore. They just smoked us. Yeah. I don't know if those are connected though. I still think we fleeced them guys. We fleeced them. But yeah, but we fleeced them with draft picks. We fleeced them with draft picks. And most of those draft picks we, we drafted terribly. But the thing is, is like we did, we traded three washed up guys for literally our two cornerstones of our franchise going forward right now. So yes, the nets are better than us right now. But I, I just don't see the connection to the trade. Well, they took. I'll tell. I can explain. I'll tell you exactly the connection to the trade. The the Brooklyn Nets took bad contracts off us for aging stars. We went and built a team around younger guys. That the contract space eventually went away when those all those guys retired, as as they knew they were going to. They used that contract space and the the kind of brand that developed in Brooklyn because like they are kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like there is a sort of like a cool hip hop thing about them existing as a Brooklyn team. They're a lot cooler than the New Jersey Nets where I'll tell you that much. And like just as a franchise and like Jay-Z's involved and it's like, yeah, let's go play there. You can go play in New York without having to play for the Knicks. And the Knicks are obvious because the Knicks are run terribly. Nobody wants to go there. It's exactly what happened with KD. And they had all this cap space and they went and got superstars, you know, and like, I don't know if we can build that way. Like, I don't know if you can criticize Danny to the point of like you. You should have done something different because like 
I like, I think I see your point there, Bobby, because it's like, you can't really do that in Boston. You're not going to get KD and Kyrie and, and all those guys to come play here at the same time. It's just not going to happen. So, because nobody really wants to come and play in Boston when it comes to basketball, unfortunately, like on just, you know, just on brand recognition alone. And like the stuff Kyrie was saying the other night, it, it's not hugely off base. You know, it's like, we, we don't have a great reputation for treating our players well, or like not being like dumb racist. And then of course he says that and some moron, I know it's one person, but it's representative. Some moron throws a water bottle at him. And it's like, what are you doing? Like that's a, it's just completely feeding his point. But anyway, whatever, I digress there. I, I just think it's like that to draw the line, you can draw the line and they're better earlier. You know what I mean? Like my question to DK originally was when you assess Danny Ainge's body of work, was he a success? Was he a successful general manager of the Boston Celtics over 18 years? Yeah, of course he was. He brought a championship. Yeah. And, and so like, I know everything is always recency bias and like everyone's always thinking about right now and like what's happening, but like everyone needs to remember what this guy actually did. Like he took, so he took a team that was one of the worst basketball teams I've ever watched in my life, traded everyone and brought us a championship. All right. He brought us KG. He brought us Ray Allen. He brought us a championship. Then he took, but but then he took that team and traded them. Right. We thought we were going to be rebuilding, but somehow this guy builds up this team that competes every single year. Yes, they ended up as like the worst one seed in the history of the NBA, but like all those teams exceeded expectations. Why? Because Danny put them together well. He made trades at the right time. Bringing in Isaiah Thomas was the best part of that team. And when you look back at that Kyrie trade, listen, every single one of us does that 100 out of 100. It was. Jay, but listen, it was Jay Crowder, a uh, 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 washed up Isaiah Thomas, and a first round pick for one of the best point guards in the league. And he was promising he was going to stay. So it's like, uh, yes, that did fuck us. And that was the beginning of the end. But like the decisions up until 2019. 2019 is where everything fell apart. And it's just no matter what he did, it was a couple of key. It's a couple of key draft mistakes is the thing. It's like a a few key recent draft mistakes and a little bit of a tendency to go for defensively minded guards, like one too many times. You know, it's like when you look at the free agency now, it's like, it's still pretty repairable though. It's like Marcus smart. He drafted Marcus smart. He, I don't, I love Marcus. Marcus isn't as good as I want him to be. This is basically the full version of Marcus smart now. And like, he's become this, which is good, but not like what he could have, what I thought maybe he could have, what his ceiling was originally. So like that changes that, like you know, like something changes there. Danny's had a more successful last few years, you know, the Lankfords and the Grant Williamses of the world. Like, I don't know if you knew that Grant Williams was going to be as big of a bust as he was. I don't think anyone thought that. I think at the very beginning it was like, oh, I think he's got size for the position, blah, 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 blah. Like those are the conversations we were having. So a couple of those uh, drafts go a little bit differently. You're looking at Danny Ainge in a different way. Sure. And that's part of the, that's part of the issue, right? Is like the, those things are going to go that way. There's personalities that are going to clash. There's things that are going to happen. He made some questionable decisions. He didn't go out of the trade deadline this year and get a big man, which was a mistake. I think that could have helped in the long run. I agree. And you know what? You were absolutely right about that when you said when we were, who were we going for in Indiana? Miles Turner. Yeah, Yeah, we're going for Miles Turner. Right. And it was like, and Joe, you actually hit the nail on the head about that, where it was like, Danny's going to get greedy in that trade. And then he's going to, he's going to fuck up that Miles Turner trade. And put Tristan Thompson, who had like one good game in the playoffs on the offensive boards, but like, whatever, you know what I mean? Like if we had been able to get Miles Turner, 
Our whole season's different, I think. So here's, I'm going to hijack the question here, Mike, for me, and I'm going to cut Dave off, but does Brad Stevens make that trade? You know, like, like let's play that game right now. Does Brad Stevens make that trade with Indiana with Gordon Hayward? That's what marked the end of the relationship. Danny was great to answer your question from before, Mike, that, you know, these guys really hit the nail on the head and I'm going to revisit. He was great. He was incredible. He, like Bobby said, he brought in three of the, best we he, he had his cornerstone piece in Paul Pierce and I'm calling him the cornerstone because he was here he knew Boston he he had already built a legacy here and then he goes out and brings in these two guys that are incredible basketball players and two of the best in the league at what they do individually they built a team around that I mean they brought in Rajon Rondo say what you want about Rondo he was a key part of that championship love Rondo. Love Rondo. take him or leave him but uh, He's still good. He is still good. He's consistent. Prime Rajon Rondo was like one of the funnest players to watch ever. Oh, absolutely. And a young Rajon Rondo with those three guys in Boston in 2008, it made for such a fun team to watch. Danny Ainge, (sighs) I hate hate to say this when we have a friend of the show who is a former GM of the Boston Celtics, but Danny Ainge, he's right up there with the top in top three, maybe the top two GMs all time in Boston Celtics history. He did what he needed to do in a very tough time. It's not easy to win in this league. I, I agree that Danny Ainge was great. I, I do agree that Danny Ainge was great. And like, and I also do agree it was time for a change. I mean, I made that point at the very start, but I do disagree with the kind of undercurrent you guys have been poking at for the show so far, which is that Brad Stevens, I even think you might've come right out and said it, Joe, Brad Stevens didn't have what he wanted here. Like, Brad Stevens' identity was stamped all over this team for the past, for the, since he got here, basically. He went, he got Gordon Hayward. That's the most obvious Brad Stevens pickup in the history of, that's the most, uh, that's the most directly, but like that was, Hayward was more Stevens' guy than anyone had been anyone's guy since like Duncan and Pop, you know? So it's like, yeah, he got his people. Like, and he, he's been playing this position, this basketball thing. He's been, you know, basically always playing tiny, tiny, tiny men at the five position. And it's like, that's Brad Stevens. That's Brad. That's what Brad Stevens wanted to do. Danny Ainge is flexible of the kind of basketball he can play. The, the 2018 that he built is very, very different than its, its current, currently constituted and how we play. And I think what you're seeing is you're going to see a lot more of the same in that, in that sense. You know, it's not going to be a revolution. I, I really do. I strongly feel Danny was making a, his best effort to go and get the players that his head coach wanted to build the kind of basketball team that he was like able to build. And I think Brad Stevens is at fault for a lot of the, the, the stupid things that have happened in the past few years. So don't, I don't disagree. Optimistic, you know? I don't disagree because I think that's why ultimately, uh, as you, you mentioned the undertone of this. So, so I want to kind of tie up that loose end of, I think that's exactly why what happened today happened. There's a reason why they're looking for a new head coach, not a new general manager. So I agree with you, DK. I, I 100%. There was faults. They're obviously paying him more than what Indiana was going to offer him because he didn't leave. And I think they knew that this was coming. That was the biggest rumor of the end of the regular season. Yeah. It was Brad's going to Indiana. Yeah. You know, now he's the GM. Why he didn't stay. He's obviously now making more than what Indiana was going to pay him. He's probably going to sign another extension before the, before even he gets to two years left on his current five-year deal, because he's going to, I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to keep him on his head coach contract anyway. I, I don't know how that's going to work. No, they, they're, they're definitely going to restructure his deal for sure. But, but we're seeing that because they want to bring in a head coach that is going to uh, either mesh with him better or, 
be able to cut down the mistakes that you're talking about. I agree. I, I 100% agree with you. I don't like that he's leaving the head coach role, but after what you just said, I'm con- I'm convinced this was absolutely 100% the right move, and I commend Wick Grosbeck for doing it. Yeah, when you think about Brad Stevens, so when you, when you hear all the rumors of why he he wanted to step down as head coach is because he was just burnt out after the bubble last year and this year. Listen, this has been, if you think about Brad Stevens' four-year stretch right now, this has been just like the most exhausting four years of basketball ever. You think yeah. about the year, so we go to the Eastern Conference Finals, get smoked um, by the Cavs. But that year, that's the year IT's sister died. Like, that team was so emotional. That team was amazing it, just because of how much emotion was behind it. The next year, all these expectations, Kyrie comes in. That shit just goes haywire. His guy Hayward breaks his ankle. You know what I mean? Like, everything just went wrong that entire season. The next year, we go to the Eastern Conference Finals again. We have to go through the bubble, COVID. Like, and then this year, to see his team not responding to him in that way. Listen, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a room where people like you think you're the leader and you think you can do things and people just aren't responding to you. But that is one of the most frustrating and exhausting experiences that you can go through. So I I just feel like it was time for him to step down, but I think the Celtics just have this belief and and love for Brad Stevens for some reason. And it is because of that basketball knowledge is what it comes down to. But like, I don't blame him for being exhausted. It just, it, it felt like the right time. Well, his experience as a coach, you know, as, as someone who's lost the room, does anybody here uh, like worry about that he's going to look for players that will be resistant to doing the things that he saw his players do to him? No, but I think he's going to he's going to take the players that are there now that are uh, he sees as an issue and trade them. I mean, I don't think Kemba plays another minute for this team. I don't think Marcus Smart plays another where's, minute. Where's Kemba going to go though? Kemba's on a fucking Kemba's on a yeah, no one's taking him. He, he's got the grossest contract for what for his output right now. And well, no we're going to have to Kemba find Marker. out what the new GM that didn't sign his original contract has to say about that. Well, yeah, so so that reminds me. So so that, Joe, you said earlier that the Kyrie was the downfall. To me, the downfall was the 2019 offseason where we went into that draft with three draft picks. We traded Matthias Seibel, who is Marcus Smart 2.0, it, it, even better because he can actually shoot the ball sometimes which I guess is kind of the same. So he is Marcus Smart 2.0. So we trade him to go back and pick Romeo Langford and Carson Edwards. We went into that draft with three. That was, that was the most, that was the grossest draft. Ever. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it was disgusting how bad that draft was. Not only that, but we lose Kyrie and then we do the Kemba Walker signing. And honestly, the Kemba Walker signing to me is the biggest mistake Danny made. No, we all wanted him though. Like, yeah, I know, I know, so but that you know, was a panic. Listen, 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 it, it were, absolutely one hundred percent was because listen, it, if Charlotte didn't want him, so so that just tells me that Danny knew that he had to go get someone. He he knew he had to get someone, and listen, now we're stuck with it. And those knee issues were very obvious at the time. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't come from day one. Well, I guess that first season wasn't bad, but since the first playoff season. It, I don't know, man. It, it just seems like that's the biggest mistake he made as a GM. That entire off season was the downfall. That was. Don't you remember? Don't you remember the? Don't you remember the the mythos of Kemba coming? Where it was this like? It was like to clear the fart in the room that was Kyrie Irving. Like it, like him coming in. He was like, we basically just went and got the anti Kyrie to try to like sage the locker room a little bit of his like shitty energy. And like, 
I think that well, I was happy about it at the time. A, because yeah. I think we all love Kemba because like regionally, he's a Yukon guy. I think we all have, we were all in the prime of our lives when Kemba Walker was, uh, when Kemba Walker was like doing his thing at Yukon and like, Everybody remembers that, you know, and he was this offensive threat and he was a veteran and there was all this upside to him if, if he could get the injury sorted out. But I remember us having the conversation of like, the, we, you never want a weird injury. You never want to like, well, we don't have all the info on it and we're not getting all the right, you know, cause I think that the Celtics were like, I think the Celtics were like, I bet we have better medical people than Charlotte and we can figure it out. And I think that's a completely <laughs> fair, I think that's a completely fair, like, sure thing to go for you know and one point i would just to make one point about brad stevens by the way i think his agent's really smart because i bet his agent leaked that indiana rumor to in order to like they were probably already in negotiations with the celtics but this doesn't happen overnight this is going on all year maybe brad lost the room because he was pulled in two different directions and they always knew the season was going to be a wash because of the like the currently constitution constituted contract situations and i'd like to add Avery Bradley is available as a free agent this, this offseason. Bring him back. If we want to trade Marcus Smart for some actual value, because I think he actually would <laughs> offer some value. I do. No, I really do. I think that there's a prevailing sense of everybody needs a Marcus Smart. In, uh, in, and, but my addition to that idiom was Avery, Avery Bradley will do. Like, I th- if you want a defensive guard, yeah. you can pay Avery Bradley like $5 million. And Marcus Smart's on 50 or some shit. It's like pay everybody, everybody $5 million and he's your lockdown two guard. Great. It was, it worked out great before. So why not? You know, and then he's just gone and devalued himself because he hasn't been playing that well, but like, you know, the Brad system gets a lot out of Avery Bradley. So bring him on back, bring him on back, plug him right in there. That two position. I, I know this is crazy. Bear with me. Bonzo ball is available. I don't want a ball brother within a hundred miles of TD garden. I said that same shit about LaMelo and LaMelo is going to be the best point guard in the NBA in like two years. Good for him. Cause I don't want, I don't want him anywhere near us. <laughs> Who gives, do we have a Kardashian in the ranks right now? But you don't that, notice. You know what? It doesn't I, matter. It took, it took me a while to realize that. And I, I forgot that Tristan Thompson was married. Does it, yeah, exactly. You forgot. Cause it doesn't matter. What matters is what happens. I want, I, you know all, what? You all, know all, what? I, all I'll tell you is you'd like him with it. So he does play the brand of basketball that Boston loves, man. If he was in Boston, I guarantee you Boston would gravitate toward him so fast because he plays, he's a defensive point guard that A, shoots at the right time most of the time. And also when, when it comes to locking down the opposing point guard, like 100% of the time, every night you can count on him. I also think he's a very different, I also think he's a very different kind of playmaker than Kemba Walker, but I think that at Kemba Walker's current level of output, he's a better one. Because, okay, he doesn't dribble as much. He doesn't go to the rim as much, but he's a great passer. He's a really great passer of the ball. And, like, we need to get our wings in. We need to get our wings. And we need to facilitate them. And we need to have those two guys score. So, that's uh, that. I think that's – if think of – just picture that team in your head. It's, it's beautiful. Bradley at the two. Marcus is gone. And then just go and get a fucking center. Just go get a center. Just go get someone who plays the fucking five. That's good. Not Tristan Thompson. Stop trying to like go like it's like here's Miles Turner and here's your Miles Turner from wish.com. It's like there's a ton you can do in this free agency if you do the right thing, if you get the right guys in the right positions. And like there's cool guys available to like restructure the like the complete identity of this team. Maybe Brad can do it. If I could just reset just really quickly before we start talking about what they could do this season in terms of players and, and coaches, I want to just ask a question about the legacy of Brad Stevens as a coach in Boston, right? So yeah, he he's been here eight years. His coaching record in the regular season is three fifty four and two eighty two, right? 
his playoff record is 38 and 40. So knowing what he knowing what he took over, right? Knowing what he came into and inherited, Joe, I'll start with you. What would what do you think the lasting legacy of Brad Stevens as a coach will be as a Boston Celtic? It's an above average legacy. Uh, a little fun fact about the the move but before I go on. Danny Ainge was the president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics for 18 years. He was 44 when he took yep. over the job. Brad Stevens is 44 years old. So what's his sign? Well, uh, I don't know yet. I'm going to see if he likes long walks <laughs> on the beach and sitting on the same side of a booth. His lasting legacy is, is a good one. And there's a reason why he's still here, Mike. I mean, he's obviously done enough to show the Celtics brass that he can. Well, now he is the Celtics brass, right? That he can do the job. And being a general manager, as we know, Mike, as you and I know, when we again, second time, I'm going to bring up Bill Belichick, as we know, those are two very very different jobs. So I think as a general manager, it'll obviously take, I think, three to four years to see what happens. But as a coach, I mean, he came in and rebuilt and he brought us Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart, again, you know, he's been serviceable. He's been a good player. We like what Marcus Smart can do. We just don't want him to huck up as many threes. I mean, as many good things as as they have both done, Danny and Brad, they've both made their mistakes. Dave's right. He's gonna he's probably gonna be remembered for a lot of the mistakes that he did make. And that's okay because he's his playoff record isn't great, but how many Eastern Conference finals did they go to with him as head coach? Doesn't uh, matter. Eastern Conference, we don't count Eastern Conference finals in Boston. Yes, but we sh- we should though, man. We should. We, we need we should. to because over no, the last shouldn't. eighteen years, Mike Mike brought it up with the ring and the amount of Eastern Conference finals and finals appearances they've made. It, it's not easy to do in this league. It's re- it's really not. listen. I can I can tell you one thing. I counted on the Celtics since Brad Stevens has been here and since Danny's been here to be my most consistent team that I watch. That they were my team that every single year I knew oh, that they right, were going to be in content. I, I, I know that. And listen, I am, that's why I'm separating that. I, I knew that they were the team that was going to do that for me because we had Brad and because we had Danny. And I knew that these guys were going to do this. That's why, like, I, I don't listen. This last year and a half was a fucking disaster. From It, it was just a, a dumpster fire from day one. Before that, there's nothing that he did that like yes i had like nitpicks here and there but like everything he did worked like a charm for 15 16 years he brought us a championship he brought us one of the most storied teams in, in our- asking about mike's asking about brad as a head coach not danny of the so yeah the Celtics have made 72 conference finals under danny age in 18 years but under brad i think it's been what four total four well it's still all right so so we're talking about brad that's fine He brought an under, he brought, so either way, same thing. He brought an underachieving team to the Eastern Conference Finals. He brought a team after Kyrie was hurt, Eastern Conference Finals. A team after Kyrie left, we had to rebuild everything, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, he didn't get to the NBA Finals, but why why does that make him an unsuccessful head coach? That's what I would always ask. Well, so so Dave, I I guess to, to kind of piggyback off of that, do the positives outweigh the negatives when you look back at Brad Stevens as a head coach in Boston? I hope that when it's over, when it's all said and done, we're saying over. Well, he was a better, no, I mean his career in general. Uh-huh. I hope we're saying he was a better GM than he was head coach because 
we don't count Eastern Conference finals here in uh, in Boston, in basketball city, Boston. We just don't. It's uh, championships or nothing. We've got more than anybody. And like where I refuse to lower the standard of this franchise. It's tied now. Okay, fine. It's tied. Whatever. We've got more than it's gonna almost, stay tied though. We've we've got more than literally everybody except for the Lakers. <laughs> and you know, at the end of the day, I've refused to lower the standard of the franchise in order to like rise Brad Stevens's stock up as a head coach. Did he succeed as a coach of the Celtics? No, he didn't win a championship. And but I don't think that this move is terrible. You know, I mean, like maybe they're the thinking is that Brad is a great guy for a basketball culture. You know, I could get behind that. Maybe he's got a great eye for talent. I could get behind that. Maybe he's got a great eye for basketball tactics. I could get behind that. But maybe he's not the greatest man manager, the greatest player manager in history. And maybe he's not, you know, maybe if you get a Sam Cassell in there or Chauncey Billups, they elevate. This has to be because they think that Brad has taken Jason Tatum and to a lesser extent, Jalen Brown to the farthest place he can take them. And because that's they're the franchise like they're the franchise for the next 10 years so that has to be the thinking but they're probably also thinking we don't want to lose brad stevens and his basketball mind and the things that he can bring to the table and danny's about done anyway i bet like this danny didn't i i'm pretty sure that danny didn't get forced out you know i think if he wanted to stay he probably could have stayed but we'll never know that's just information that's never going to come out so you try and get the best of both worlds now the most Crucial thing is, who are you going to go get to to take Jason Tatum and, you know, again, to a slightly lesser extent, Jalen Brown to the next level? Because at the end of the day, I always say it's like it doesn't really matter what you put around your best players. You need your best players to be that good, you know? And I think that if you elevate those two guys' games and I think like, I mean, if you had Jalen in that last series, like maybe we win two, you know, he makes the difference in one of the games. So you know, you start to elevate those guys. You need a Sam Cassell or some or Chauncey Billups, you know, one of those guys. Before we move on to the next head coaching, I just want to give you my take. I know as a host, I'm not supposed to do that. I think that Brad Stevens I think Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge were both fired. I, I, I think that, that Danny Ainge, uh, he was I think he had, after his heart attack a couple of years ago, sure, it got, it got a little tough. He was questioning things. But after the performance of this team and the way that he built around it, he was let go, and they realized that they had so much money tied up in, into Brad. Mm-hmm. Why pay him to go be a coach elsewhere? Like, why not just move him into a role? He's been re- pretty buddy-buddy with Danny. So I think that what we're, what we've seen here, they've both been relieved of their duties. Only one is still with the organization. I hope that's not the case because that's really stupid if they did, did it that way because that's how you create a disgruntled workforce. You know, if Brad Stevens like wanted to still be the head coach and they're like, well, the most we'll do for you is promote you out because like you get to fail up now. But like that's going to be so bad for whoever they bring in as the head coach. So I really hope that's not the case. I mean, the the theory is that he's going to be picking the coach, right? If you don't trust him to be the coach, why would you trust him to pick the coach? Yeah, I'm with Dave on that, Mike. I can't agree with with you on that part. I think. If I think Danny was relieved of his duties, I think Brad, I, I don't think he was relieved. I think that this was in the works and this was a conversation that had been going on for a majority of the season. And I, I think Danny is really stepping away, but it's a mutual stepping away of this is how far we've come. I think with this pairing, this is as far as we're going to go. They both offer something positive. And now, Brad, okay, you're a recruiter. You are a talent evaluator. And there's a big difference between guys that are 25, 26 
than guys that are 21, 22. And I, I think to, to piggyback off Dave again, that's, that's where he's gotten Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum is he's gotten them past the college years. And now they're full fledged NBA players. And I think this is going to be a great move for them, but I'm with Dave, Mike. You can't relieve a guy of so, his duties and then and then sign him for GM. I just want to say, uh, I, Danny Ainge will either be an assistant GM to the Utah Jazz or a consultant for the Utah Jazz by the time that the season rolls around next year. So he's not retiring. He's not. He he was relieved. I do believe that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think based on the performance in the playoffs last year against the Heat and then what they saw this year, yeah, a lot of odds were stacked against him. I get that, but we've all been saying, and we're not the only ones. Every like every media pundit out there has been saying that Brad's lost a room, but it, but he still owed a ton of money. So let's try the hand at this. He's been pretty buddy buddy with Danny. That's just my. I could be wrong. That's how I feel. Go ahead, Bobby. I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you in the middle. I I, I do I do kind of agree with you there, but I think it was more of, it was a wick. Wick runs his team from top to bottom. He's going to do what he wants to do. And I think he brought them in a room and was just kind of like, listen, guys, we got to figure this shit out because this isn't working. And if we don't come out of here with a resolution, then no one's coming out of here. He presented them with the situation. Brad saw it. And I do kind of agree with you, not to the point where he was forced out, where they told him, listen, you can't be the coach anymore. But it was, we need to make some changes. And I do think that it has a lot to do with the money. I, I will agree with you there, too. I, I do think it has a lot to do with the money they owe to Brad Stevens because they just gave him the extension last year. Right. Like, the, it's at the very beginning of this extension. We did say, like, I, we're, we have it on good authority on this podcast, like actual good authority that from people that do know, and it's been said on this show, that if one goes, both go. And I think that, I think that played a part. You know, I think that might have just been the only way around if one goes, both go, yeah. was to promote brad stevens make him an offer he couldn't refuse you know and keep him around because i i still think that despite the last two seasons i think it became clear whether it was his agent or or whoever putting it out there that he was still a a desired commodity and it would have been silly i think for us to trade the stock that we had for him because there was like it wasn't too long ago where they were at the all-star game and everybody was like oh the general consensus here is everybody all these players really want to play for Brad Stevens, like Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens. Like that was, he was like the new kid on the block. I get that. It's like kind of the sophomore year now. Like he's not the the hottest thing in the world anymore, but he could get a job pretty much anywhere still. Yeah. So yeah, you keep him for that reason. You know, you keep him because he's worth something. When you think about what you said earlier about how, you know, you can't run an organization like that. Like you you can't promote or fail to promote, you know what I mean? Or what what was the language? Fail up. Yeah. Yeah, Whatever. You, You can't do that. I also think that you can't completely gut the organization when you're trying to keep that same culture. You're trying to keep the same team. And and if both of these guys went, they just fire cleaned house completely. I think it sets the team back a little bit further than if they keep Brad around and bring him into the GM office, have that familiar face, have that familiar voice for Tatum and Brown for them to go to have, you know, input about the team, things like that. So I, I do think, in the end, it did come down to like an organizational decision. Like, listen, you can't be the head coach, but we love you. We need you here. And we also owe you a lot of goddamn money. So what do they do next? So now moving on, you know, they're going to go full-fledged into a, to fill that coaching vacancy. We've seen all of the reports, just like the rest of you out there, that – you know that there are, there are reports for Jason Kidd. We've even floated the idea. We've been talking a ton about Sam Cassell. I love that pick, by the way. And there are a bunch of others. So I'm going to float my idea out there first, and that way we, we, I can let you guys discuss it. 
I think that, you know, a friend of a friend of the show, so Mr. Brian Scalabrini, Abby Chin's best friend, show notes, Craig, there you go, is he thinks that Kara Lawson should be in consideration to be the next coach of the Boston Celtics. Kara Lawson was an assistant coach uh, for the Boston Celtics uh, in the 2019-2020 season. She's actually the one that, that was working with Marcus Smart to improve his shooting ability. And now she is the head coach of the, I believe, of the Duke Blue Devils women's basketball team. So, and the reason why I tend to agree with Scal, I think he knows things that he's, he's tapped into the organization, but also... He said that not only this isn't like she's really good for a female, she commanded the floor with all of them while she was there. And they already know her, right? So that that's, it, you wouldn't be bringing anyone in that they don't know. So I think that that's my dark horse pick. So DK, I'll, I'll go with you. Like, What type of coach do you think that they should go for and who do you think it's going to be? I don't think that's totally out of the realm of possibility. I could see Brad Stevens picking that. Pick, picking Kara Lawson as a head coach. I, I think love that Kara Lawson. That'd be awesome. Yeah, she's really cool. I think I think that we have a strong enough culture in Boston to hopefully wade past the circus trick that people are going to try to say that we're doing. And like, I think it's important to manage the media on that pick really carefully. I I don't know if it would be my choice, not because she's a woman, but because like. I'm so excited about the idea of Sam Cassell, if you can't tell. I be just because he's part of the furniture in Boston. You know, he was here when we had a winning culture. He's been part of multiple winning cultures. He's a proven winner. He's got uh banner 17, you know, like he's he was there for that. And I think that, you know, idiots talking heads like us, if, if you if we had a show back then, oh, we did. I bet if we listen to the Sunday night sports rap, I bet there's multiple times where all of us are saying. Yeah, Sam Cassell is like basically like part of the coaching staff. You know, like he's, I know he doesn't play a ton we of said minutes it all the he, time. All the time we said it. It was literally every show. <laughs> so, like, and, you know, and it's like, I'm sure someone even said, like, oh, future head coach of the Celtics or something. I know we've had like a running joke about Mike and Ray Sean's battling opinions about Doc Rivers, but Doc Rivers won us a championship and like he's a proven winner and like, I, you know, to come from that expression we use all the time, but I'm pretty sure that they just implanted in the matrix coaching tree uh, to come from that. I'm like, I know it's just a funny visual. It's like coaches falling off like coconuts. Anyway, to, for him to come from him to come from that locker room, to come from those players, he commanded the respect of what I consider like the last generation of like actual NBA players that actually had it, something about him and wanted to win in Boston, which was obviously the the Pierce, Garnett, and Allen and Rondo generation. So I think, yeah, it, it has to be Sam Cassell for me. Carol Austin, I wouldn't be upset about it. You know, I mean, I, I think it'd be cool. I think she's a damn good head coach. And I do think she could make the current players we have can I, can, I, can I throw out one more before I kick it over to Bobby? So for you, D, what about Becky Hammond? We're talking about coaching trees. That's from Greg Popovich. I get, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, to me, it's like six of one, half a dozen of the other with between Lawson and, and Hannon, because it's like, I think both of them come from great stock. I think I would probably lean a little bit more towards Kara Lawson in that sense because of the Duke connection. And I think I, I just, I can see her taking Jason Tatum and elevating him. You know, I can really see that happening. And like, and the sky's the limit for Tatum at this point, you know, like you have no idea how he could just keep doing this, you know, like he had, he scored, he, he took on the Brooklyn Nets three on one, at least in one game. And he, he went completely insane. And it's like, at that point I decided, I said to you guys, I'm never going to say a bad word about him ever again, because he's the truth. He's the real deal. It's been decided. 
I just wanted to be the one dissenting voice, but there's no reason to do it anymore because it's just, it's inarguable. You can't, you can't, you just can't anymore. You can't. <laughs> I mean, listen, if we're just to break the fourth wall here, listeners, like we decided, we yeah. decided amongst ourselves, we like had to argue about shit. So like someone has to fucking be the bad guy sometimes. <laughs> I'm not doing it anymore because it just sounds ridiculous at, at this point, you know? But yeah, I could see him working with her. I think he's of a generation as well, where it wouldn't make a difference to him consciously or subconsciously if his coach was a, a man or a woman. I think that our generation's a little bit like that, but like people like Jason Tatum's age, who I know it's depressing, are a lot younger than us. They don't give a shit about that stuff. It doesn't affect them. Like he's, he would respect her right off the bat and continue respecting her, I think maybe even more so, you know, because it's like, you got to be a little bit more careful, but yeah, I think it'd be cool. Now that I've, now that we've talked about it, I know this happens on the show all the time. Like when we flesh stuff out, like now it's in my imagination. I'm like, yeah, actually, it would be kind of dope. Uh, <laughs> that's like my MO, bro. That's my MO right there. That's, that's what I do. That is literally every show. There's a moment where I'm like, I'm against that. <laughs> you know what? I... I'm not against it. I just like had Sam Cassell stuck in my head. I hope it's not Jason Kidd. He's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Jason Kidd. Real quick, the best part about Becky Hamm and, and Carol Lawson, and I think there's a better chance of it being Becky Hammond if we're just going to sit on that side of the aisle for a second. It's more likely to be Becky Hammond because I think Carol Lawson has a lot to prove at Duke. I think she she went down there after leaving the Celtics for you know being an NBA assistant for a year, and I think she can take that program in a really good direction. I think she's going to take her time to do that. But the best part about putting Carol Lawson and Becky Hammond into this conversation is they are qualified. Like that's the biggest thing here is they're qualified to do this job. And I said it to you guys earlier in the discord that I love Becky Hammond because she comes from Popovich's coaching tree because she's been down in San Antonio learning how to handle those personalities and learning how to handle pop's personality, not just the players. So I think can I say, can be, I say one thing when, while yeah. you're on that subject? Just I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I was thinking about not saying this, but I'm going to say it. I hope it's not her because that I mean, we're already the whitest team in basketball. And like it's like that. Then you just got white from top to bottom. And it's like, that's a thing. Like, I'm sorry, but it is. And like, I just, yeah, no, we're so, we're, it's like already, we had, we had a white like, middle-aged male well, as coach. You this, know is, I mean? this is, well, right. But we also had a white, slightly more middle-aged GM. So yeah. I think Sam, we still do. Sam Cassell, I'm, you have now talking yourself into Kara Lawson. You've now talked me into Sam Cassell. But Kara Lawson is an African-American lady. And I think that's, you know, that's a different. But I'm counting her out right now because I don't think she's going to leave Duke to come here is, is basically sure. what I'm saying. I mean, it's the best job in women's basketball. Oh, sure. without a doubt. But Sam Cassell. NBA, though. The NBA comes calling you go. Right. But you said it. Well, I, so that's the other question. And and we, we have to go there with this topic because it's never happened before. If a woman gets a job uh, offer to, to coach in the NBA as a head coach, you're absolutely right. Like you, you have to take it. You have to take it. You go and you succeed or you fail. You just, you go and you do it because you are breaking barriers as much as I, you know, they're qualified to do it, but you're still breaking a barrier. Carol Lawson is amazing. I love Carol Lawson. She's literally one of my favorite women basketball players ever. Maybe one of my favorite basketball players ever, but Becky Hammond has been commanding the respect of NBA players for the last decade. How, right, she's been she's been with the Spurs for at least yep. twenty four. So this girl has been in an NBA locker room for almost a decade now. So like when you talk about experience, when you talk about having having the prowess to do the job, 
if you're going to pick between one of those two, it's got to be Becky. Because- Bobby, as, a, as an assistant coach, as an assistant coach, she has a couple years less experience, but basically the same level of experience as Sam Cassell. And I have some, I have something on that. I, I know like Dave, she's white, but I think the fact that she's a female transcends the, 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 the color. No, it really doesn't. It, it, I think it I, 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 I think it's still a, I think it's still a barrier breaker. It's a minority. It's a minority higher in the NBA. But, but but to Bobby's point, I will say like Paul Gasol. I don't know if you guys remember this. She, he wrote an open letter to the NBA, and, and I'll, I'll just this is about Becky Ham. I'm going to quote him. I play with some of the best players of this generation. I played under the two sharpest minds in, in the history of sports in Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich. And I'm telling you, Becky Hammond can coach. I'm not saying she can coach pretty well. I'm not saying she can coach enough to get by. I'm not saying she can coach almost at the level of an NBA uh, male coach. I'm saying Becky Hammond can coach NBA basketball. No one's no one's denying that she's good at her job, though. I, at the point I'm making is that the point I'm making is that you have to you because I you know you guys have said your piece here, and I, I do just think this is an important point to touch on. It's like I think when you add in all the context, the things Kyrie Irving was saying about Boston. That is a recognized thought process in the NBA. I've talked to NBA fans all over the world that think that the Boston Celtics are the shittiest fan base for racial reasons. Listen, I'm not saying we're racist because we like the Celtics. It's just, it's a nuanced point. And, you know, you have to think through the nuances of it. When you have had white guy GMs for as long as we have had you have the best player in the, in the history of your franchise as a white guy, your fans are known to be a little bit racist from time to time, busing, et cetera, you know, everything therein that lies in, in, in that stuff. And your best black player of all time saying that he felt very removed from the fan base, Bill Russell, when he played here, because he didn't think that people from Boston liked him because he was a black dude. So when your front office and coaching staff in 2021, the most hyper aware of race era of all time, looks like the cast of friends for the first six seasons or whatever, before they brought Aisha Tyler in. It's not a good look guys. It's just not a fucking good look. So I don't think if we were deciding, if we're sitting in the room right now and it's up to the six of us, thank God it isn't like we'd never, you'd never get another championship in Boston again. But if it was, I would be pretty adamant in the boardroom that it's just not a fucking good look. And you have to factor this stuff in. You have to, it's 2021. And when you say, unfortunately, you say the girl thing supersedes the black thing. Unfortunately, the entire I'm not saying this to you, but the entire internet's response is going to be you don't get to make that decision because you're neither a girl nor a person of color. That's what they're going to tell you. I'm just saying it on their behalf. Okay. The most qualified person should get the job. We don't need to, we don't need to have an affirmative action argument, Mike. The idea uh, that I'm putting across to you is to not die on that hill. When it's your team, I don't want my team to die on that hill. I don't want my team to, to be like, we're taking a stand because the most qualified person. But no. I just think it's very possible. Listen, you can talk about that, but it's very possible. A white male gets hired for this job. So right. like, we can talk about, we can talk about, listen, it's not going to fit that affirmative. I would we make can talk the same about point. that. But like at the same, if they are looking to make that type of hire. I, I don't think you, I don't think you need to be black or, you know, bring in a black guy to understand that like, this is a hot button issue in 2021. And like, it's probably not a good idea to whitewash your brand. <laughs> like I, 
feel like you guys should get this. I do, but I just think at the same time, like, listen, I want the best guy for the job, man. Like, listen, oh, I, I have to be woman. Guy, huh? Okay, uh, Bobby. Yeah, we see. I that. want we the see. best person for the job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but hang on a sec. Before before this goes down a dark alley and we start getting hate mail, there's nothing dark about it. It's just, it's a conversation that should be had. No, you're absolutely right. You are 100% right, and you're 100% right with what you said, and I'm in your corner on that. And it has to be, it does have to be factored in. And so, Bobby, you're right. Could be a white guy. But do you know uh, who the Mike odds to be the next be, Celtics head coach? The number one. Well, but, on right, the well Bobby, that's what I'm getting. Sam Cassell. That's what I'm plus getting. Tim Laranega. Jim plus Laranega. 300. No, plus 300 on odds right now. Sam Cassell. Right. Sam Cassell. It changed. Never mind. Keep Those are still good so, odds. So, <laughs> but same thing to Mike, like best person for the job. But best person to work with Brad Stevens. Best person to work with, with this roster. And. I really if they hope. hire Rick Pitino, I'm going to be. Oh, I'm out. Oh, if they hire Rick Pitino, <laughs> I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. Just for, for yeah, that it's, point. It's forward. like I said the other day. It's like I said the other day when there was <laughs> when it was floated around that Matt Patricia could be the successor for Bill Belichick. I, I will find another team to root for if Rick Pitino is hired. I'll, I'm going to be a Mavericks fan if Rick Pitino is. I'm going to become a Seattle SuperSonics fan, so I'll just become a basketball atheist. Of the two possibilities, though. It feels like Cassell and, and Carol Lawson are the two frontrunners. They fit the style that we ha- have historically played and want to continue playing in the future, right? So, I really love Sam Cassell. I, I so mean, so can, I, can I toss out another one? Yeah. Chauncey Billups, man. No, I wouldn't mind that, that either. That, so apparently I heard the story today where Chauncey Billups, so he had just gotten traded to a team. He told the story on a podcast. Like, this is a first-hand account. He got to this team. And apparently they were in a huddle on a timeout and, and they were sitting there in their timeout and they're trying to figure out the play. And the coach is like, all right, so we're going to do this. Then we're just going to figure out what happened. And I guess Chauncey Billups just sat back and was like, wait, what are you going to do? And it said it again. He goes, nope, I'm fucking here now. That's not what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. This is the play. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. And everyone in the huddle was just like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. I love Chauncey Billups. Right. So like he, he just commands this presence when he enters a locker room and, and he's been doing that since he was in the league for like three, four years. So like this dude from the beginning of his career has been just commanding a leadership presence. Listen, he brought in, in an era of LeBron James and an era of Kobe Bryant and an era of Shaquille O'Neal. He brought a team of misfits to two straight, what, two out of three. Right, two out of three yeah. championships as the point guard. We talk about Doc Rivers. We talk about Sam Cassell. In my opinion, the only thing Chauncey's missing that Sam already has is that his assistant coach resume. I think Chauncey now is a couple years under his belt. But I just think bringing Chauncey in here, man. Considering we drafted him, like we traded him away, like everything with Chauncey, like to see him in that suit. With the Celtics players behind him, pacing back and forth. like it just I like just, I like Sam Cassell for that reason too though. But but yeah. I but I thought that Chauncey was potentially gonna be one of Sam's assistants if we got Sam. Was that did I make that up? No, so from the one I saw was Chauncey, KG, and I saw Pierce, but it wasn't Pierce, it was someone else. Um, ah! as a, dude, <laughs> it, it just like I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Literally every name I just, you just came said, everywhere. I don't care what the combination is. Just <laughs> bring them all in. Like, let's bring, go. Me, That's what I mean. Like Sam Cassell as the head coach or Carol Lawson. I I don't. I, it, it it listen at get this that, point in time. Get that culture in here. Get that. I, get yes. that KG Sam yeah. Cassell. Get that in here. That's what we need. The one thing. So like, let's let's go back and be like the guys we don't want. 
are the Jason Kids, the yes. Jay Larinaga, the Lloyd no. Pierces, the, the like the J the Alvin Gentrys. Like, do not bring these dudes in here mm-hmm. that are just the same thing over and over again. Just we I can't do that. We can't go through this Agreed. again. And we need to be that fire. What are the odds that that Brad picks someone that was not like him as a coach to be the coach because he has to mesh with him, right? So knowing like what really his high. coaching style was, do you think that an outspoken and by the way, like KG as a coach, I don't know how that would go, but I, you know, he's he's a, like, I'm, KG I'm, here, I'm here for no, that. No, 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 hold on, that would be that would be. Like, we you, have but, to talk about this. We have to talk about this. Do you see this. a world where KG <laughs> listens to Brad Stevens? Yeah. You, like- yeah. KG's a soldier, bro. KG, KG's in there. Like, if he looks at you and he's decided that, like, you're his guy to, like, lead him to the promised land, he will kill for you. And, like, and if he decides that he wants to come and work for Brad Stevens. If he decides. Yeah. Well, then he that he wouldn't take the job. You know what I mean? He's a smart guy. Dude, you saying it and it just, like, it put the image in my head, though. I was like. Wait, before, so you guys have been, you guys have been a member of teams before. You've been a member of a team with a psychotic head coach, okay? And and, and listen, it's fun, but it's not conducive to a winning team. I'm not saying head coach. I'm as psychotic saying- as right, as psychotic as an assistant coach. That is a whole different yeah, story. Who says he's going to be psychotic just because he was like that on the floor? Like this, this, this no, is no, no. He's, a psycho. He's, he's crazy, bro. He's crazy. <laughs> have you have you listened? Yeah, but no, that's, that's so, just, so. But back, how he's wired. back to Mike's question of back to Mike's question of is Brad Stevens going to bring in someone who has a different style than him? If Brad Stevens has, if Brad Stevens is the is has enough character, and I'm answering your question, so I'm sorry to cut you off, but I am answering your question. If he has enough character to have the balls. To put together a coaching staff that looks in any way like Sam Cassell, Chauncey Billups, and Kevin Garnett, like as the coaching staff, if he has the the if he's confident enough in himself to bring those three personalities into Boston and or back into Boston in a couple of cases to to head up the coaching staff, and he thinks he can like tell those motherfuckers what to do, I will have all the respect in the world for Brad Stevens because that but he is should. Oh, he totally should. That coaching staff is insane. He won't have to do that because this is this was where I was going to go with this. So thank you for leading me down this way to, to answer the question to Mike. Mike, he wants exactly that. He wants exactly that. He wants to bring in. And I'm sorry, Brad Stevens, if you're listening, don't want to speak for you. But he should want exactly that. To bring in someone, to bring in a coaching staff, to bring in a head coach that's different than what they've had. You said it already, right? So like if you go to the cookie cutters of... Jason Kidd, who's already proven that he's a failure. He's also a piece of shit IRL. Rick Pitino, to to quote Rick Pitino, Rick Pitino is not walking through that door. It's not happening. Thank God. So if you bring it, are you kidding me? You're going to bring in... You're going to bring in the championship pedigree, the or what does Bobby say? Championship Championship DNA, DNA, baby. The championship DNA of Sam Cassell, Kevin Garnett, Chauncey Billups. You're going to bring those three guys in. Brad doesn't have to tell them what to do because Brad's going to go out and get the players because that's what Brad is now being paid to do. He's being paid to scout and bring in players. And these three guys, again, we have literally just formulated this out of little to nothing. But if, but if that is what, if that is what they bring in for a coaching staff, he doesn't have to tell them anything. He doesn't have to do anything because they're just going to do it. Can you imagine like the whole stomping on lucky thing happens and you have Sam Cassell, KG, and Chauncey Bill, he would have killed somebody. Here's the thing, dude. Here's the thing. Nobody liked that Kyrie did that. Like the players didn't like that Kyrie did that. He shouldn't have done that shit. All right. But 
I don't know if we've completely fabricated this like rumor or not. I'm not like a journalist. I don't know if this is even like a possibility. Like KG would like be like, this is the first time hearing of it on this dumb missing the point show. So like these guys just made that up. I <laughs> cannot get it out of my head now. And I like, I'm going to write a letter or something like just do it. It's amazing. Do you know how good Jason Tatum would be if he was a quarter as hardcore Bro, as Kevin he Garnett? Had, he had one conversation with Kendrick Perkins, one conversation with Kendrick Perkins on the phone. And that's when Jason Tatum brought it to this level. I don't know if you guys yeah. know this, but he I had think one- Jason Tatum wants he wants someone to teach but him Brad how to Stevens be like that. isn't that guy to do it. Brad Stevens is not that guy to do it. He's too mild mannered. So you're so right here, Mike. We're, we're Brad Stevens is too mild mannered. And honestly, it, whether they bring in Sam Cassell, uh, Chauncey Billups, Becky Hammond, Kara Lawson, the Dave said it. The four of those people. Let's just put those four people up on the pedestal right now. They're going to get more out of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown than Brad Stevens did from this point forward because. Brad Stevens is too mild mannered. He got the he got his brand of basketball, but that's not the brand of basketball that needs to be played in the NBA right now. Because the other night when what was it game four, when Jason Tatum got teed up, the those three guys, K and and Blake Griffin too, the big three and Blake Griffin basically bullied Jason Tatum and the Celtics up and down the floor for the next ten minutes before half. All right, let's be let's be let's be. They did. I know, but there's like. There's extenuating circumstances. Like everybody was injured. No, I understand. But what I'm saying is if you bring in the culture that we're talking about with this head yes, coach, I agree. That kind of thing isn't going to happen. I agree. I agree. And also, I feel like KG would have fucked Kyrie Irving up for stepping on the logo. Oh, like straight up, like in like dude, he said he wanted to fuck him up on Twitter. Literally, he said. And like KG will fight too. And like I just feel like first of all, I I, I, I do listen, we haven't talked about all any of that at all, but I do want to touch on that. Every single time I watch that, I get more and more pissed off because you know, you know what really bothers me the most about that, not to go down this rabbit hole, but we're already down it. He he broke up with us, bro. That's that's, <laughs> that's what I, I still from 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 day one, like it's it still blows my fucking mind. It's Bobby. It's about him. But, but this it's is about a girlfriend. Him. So I'm going to put this in even perspective. He's, ga- sports he's fans gaslighting on. us. This You're is right. a girlfriend that told you she was going to love you till the day she died. She was going to be your greatest ever. She was going to bring you to the promised land. And then a year and a half left your ass. And she thinks you're the asshole. And it's like, bro, wh- what? The fuck because is it's, wrong? it's the Kyrie show, Bobby. Oh, it's his dude, world, it's and so, we're just living in it. That that pissed me <laughs> off so bad. And listen, you don't deserve to get a water bottle. I'm sorry, it's his there. flat Earth, and we're but just living in it. It's it, it that that whole thing was the most disgusting thing ever. And I completely agree. If if KG or even Chauncey Billups or even any of these guys are the coach of this team, that doesn't happen. And Mike, to actually answer your question after that tangent, what they're looking to hire, what Brad's looking to hire, in my opinion is a basketball mind that can match him. He's not going to hire anyone that can't sit in a room with him and talk basketball with him. If he feels like he doesn't have that same knowledge as Brad Stevens, he's not going to be your head coach. And well, I think he's looking for the fire along with that knowledge. Yeah, I, I mean, just to, to put a punctuation at the end of this long sentence, it's been one hell of a day here. If you're a Boston Celtics fan, the changes that that, that, that we were all talking about, that, that they all happened in one way or in another. Brad Stevens is now your GM, your head of basketball operations. Danny Ainge is gone. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of changes to come. Listen to future episodes for us to discuss it. But for now, for DK Sizzle, Dave Clark, the real BK, Bob Kelly, Broadway, Joe Malkin, I am Michael Marcangelo saying thank you for listening to Missing the Point, And we'll talk to you later.
Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric acid. Electric acid.